This is episode 677 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's podcast, The Wild and Free Pigs of Okefenokee Swamp. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. Now this email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website, so you know that you can trust it. Guys, this is only $20 a year, and there is something very powerful about being able to connect with other preppers. We have such a great time. Other benefits include our bi-monthly online meetup that we do. And so um, it's a lot of fun. And if you are looking, if you're missing out on the uh, maybe the, the Facebook groups and the other groups that you have had on social media, this is the place to come. And so... Uh, uh, I welcome you to come check it out. You can get some more information over at PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. All right, so I also want to remind you about the five-day Build Your Own Prepper Group Challenge. Now, this is um, a challenge that's completely run through email, and uh, you can register for it, and you will get one email a day, and it will help you to, I guess, to solidify your thinking about what truly is a prepper group and what you really need to be doing, especially now as we see so many things, crazy things going on. So um, there's a link in the show notes. You can go and you can sign up for the email. You'll get one email a day and you can go check that out. And uh, just I've made it really, really easy for you to uh, to get involved there, but to really get you thinking about your own prepper group and what you need to be doing out there. I mean, the whole idea of being alone and even being alone with your family, unless you have a very huge family, you really need other people to um, to depend on when things go south. So hopefully this will help you, you know, just get some ideas about your prepper group and who you need around you. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the article of the podcast. And so I got to tell you, I've been hanging on to this one for a while. And um, so <laughs> the, the where I came up with this one is uh, I was listening to Michael Bunker's audiobook on surviving off off grid. And so I was listening to it a while back and I don't right now when I'm listening to audiobooks and, and podcasts and things like that, I, I can listen in the morning when I'm getting ready. And so I, I try to listen to some podcasts and YouTube videos and things like that that I normally listen to. But when it comes to the audiobooks, I don't have a lot of time. So I've, I've got like maybe 12 minutes to get to work. So I don't, that's not a lot of time. So I've, I've been listening to Surviving Off Off Grid for a while now. And this one came, you know, kind of early on, maybe in the middle of the book. But uh, it, I thought it was so interesting that I wanted to go look it up. And uh, Michael says, you know, he that he didn't write to tell um, and he doesn't know who did. But he did put it in his book, Surviving Off Off Grid. And so um, that book, I know that we've talked about it before when Michael has been on the podcast and that book is not really a how-to to survive off the grid. It's more of the theory and, and getting you the understanding of it. So when you go to Amazon and you read some of the reviews, people are really upset because there's like, this is not a how-to book. This is all about 
know, the philosophy of it. And there's a lot of great stuff in there. So if you're maybe new to preparedness, or even if you're kind of thinking about our world in all the different systems that we have in place and why our world is so fragile, his book really gives you a lot of great information and helps to uh, focus your thinking on all of that. And so this, um, you'll get a little taste of it with this, this story here that I'm about to read. And again, he says that he didn't write it. He doesn't know who did. It's a story that's been out there. I did a little bit of research and it was funny because when, when I heard it on the audiobook, I went to go search for it and it, it, it popped up his website. So his website was one of the first ones that popped up. And so his, this article was there. And basically all it is, it's the story. He doesn't provide any other commentary or anything else like that. Not like he does in the book, not here in this article. However, I'm going to just share some ideas at the end of this. So let's go ahead and jump into this again. This is uh, coming from Michael Bunker's website, michaelbunker.com. The title of the article is The Wild and Free Pigs of the Okefenokee Swamp. So let's go ahead and dive into this one. Some years ago, about 1900, an old wild pigs trapper from North Dakota hitched up some horses to his Studebaker wagon, packed a few possessions, especially his traps, and drove south. Several weeks later, he stopped in a small town just north of the Okefenokee Swamp in Georgia. It was a Saturday morning, a lazy day, when he walked into the general store. Sitting around the pot-bellied stove were seven or eight of the town's local citizens. The traveler spoke. Gentlemen, could you direct me to the Okefenokee Swamp? Some of the old-timers looked at him like he was crazy. You must be a stranger in these parts, they said. I am. I'm from North Dakota, said the stranger. In the Okefenokee Swamp are thousands of wild hogs, one old man explained. A man who goes into the swamp by himself asked to die. He lifted up his leg. I lost half my leg here to the pigs of the swamp. Another old fellow said, Look at the cuts on me. Look at my arm bit off. Those pigs have been free since the revolution, eating snakes and rooting out roots and fending for themselves for over a hundred years. They are wild and they're dangerous. You can't trap them. No man dare go into the swamp by himself. Every man nodded his head in agreement. The old trapper said, Thank you so much for the warning. Now could you direct me to the swamp? They said, well, yeah, it's due south, straight down the road. But they begged the stranger not to go, because they knew that he'd meet a terrible fate. He said, sell me ten sacks of corn and help me load it into the wagon. And they did. Then the old trapper bid them farewell and drove on down the road. The town folk thought they'd never see him again. Two weeks later, the man came back. He pulled up to the general store, got down off the wagon, walked in, and bought ten more sacks of corn. After loading it up, he went down the road toward the swamp. Two weeks later, he returned and again bought ten sacks of corn. This went on for a month, and then two months, and then three. Every week or two, the old trapper would come into town on a Saturday morning, load up ten sacks of corn, and drive off south into the swamp. The stranger soon became a legend in the little village and the subject of much speculation. People wondered what kind of devil had possessed this man that he could go into the Oki Finoki by himself and not be consumed by the wild and free hogs. One morning, the man came in town as usual. Everyone thought he wanted more corn. 
He got off the wagon and went into the store where the usual group of men was gathered around the stove. He took off his gloves. Gentlemen, he said, I need to hire about 10 or 15 wagons. I need 20 or 30 men. I have 6,000 hogs out in the swamp, pinned up, and they're all hungry. I've got to get them to market right away. You what in the swamp? asked the storekeeper incredulously. I have 6,000 hogs pinned up. They have eaten for two or three days and they'll starve if I don't get back there to feed and take care of them. One of the old timers said, You mean you've captured the wild hogs of the Okefenokee? That's right. How did you do that? What did you do? The men urged breathlessly. One of them exclaimed, But I lost my arm. I lost my brother, cried another. I lost my leg to those wild boars, chimed a third. The trapper said, Well, the first week I went in there, they were wild all right. They hid in the undergrowth and wouldn't come out. I dared not get off the wagon, so I spread corn along behind the wagon. Every day I'd spread a sack of corn. The old pigs would have nothing to do with it, but the younger pigs decided that it was easier to eat free corn than it was to root out roots and catch snakes. So the very young began to eat the corn first. I did this every day. Pretty soon, even the old pigs decided that it was easier to eat free corn. After all, they were all free. They were not pinned up. They could run off in any direction they wanted at any time. The next thing was to get them used to eating in the same place all the time. So I selected a clearing and I started putting the corn in the clearing. At first, they wouldn't come to the clearing. It was too far. It was too open. It was a nuisance to them. But the very young decided that it was easier to take the corn in the clearing than it was to root out roots and catch their own snakes. And not long thereafter, the older pigs also decided that it was easier to come to the clearing every day. And so the pigs learned to come to the clearing every day to get their free corn. They could still subsidize their diet with roots and snakes and whatever else they wanted. After all, they were all free. They could run in any direction at any time. There were no bounds upon them. The next step was to get them used to fence posts. So I put fence posts all the way around the clearing. I put them in the underbrush so that they wouldn't get suspicious or upset. After all, they were just sticks sticking up out of the ground like the trees in the brush. The corn was there every day. It was easy to walk in between the posts, get the corn, and walk back out. This went on for a week or two. Shortly... They became very used to walking into the clearing, getting the free corn, and walking back out through the fence post. The next step was to put one rail down at the bottom. I also left a few openings so that the older, fatter pigs could walk through the openings and the younger pigs could easily jump over just one rail. After all, it was no real threat to their freedom or independence. They could always jump over the rail and flee in any direction at any time. Now, I decided that I wouldn't feed them every day. I began to feed them every other day. On the days I didn't feed them, the pigs still gathered in the clearing. They squealed and they grunted and they begged and pleaded with me to feed them, but I only fed them every other day. And I put a second rail around the post. Now the pigs became more and more desperate for food because now they were no longer used to going out and digging their own roots and finding their own food. They now needed me. They needed my corn every other day. So I trained them that I would feed them every day if they came in through a gate. And I put up a third rail around the fence. 
but it was still no great threat to their freedom because there were several gates and they could run in and out at will. Finally, I put up the fourth rail. Then I closed all the gates but one, and I fed them very, very well. Yesterday, I closed the last gate, and today, I need you to help me take these pigs to market. End of story. All right, so I know I probably didn't do as good a job as the person reading the audiobook for uh, Michael Bunker in uh, Off Off Grid, but what a powerful story about freedom and getting used to what is there. And really, there are so many lessons all mixed into this to this uh, to this story. You can do so much with it, and you can talk about so many different things. So I want to pick out just a couple of things here that I thought were interesting to me. And I want to share those with you, kind of expound on them a little bit, not go into great detail. And then I want to share some things that maybe we can do on the, on, on the back end. So let's talk a little bit about the, the pigs, the wild pigs in the Okefenokee Swamp. It's just kind of fun to say that. All right, so let's first talk about the fear. The fear of the townspeople. I mean, here was this area that was there for a hundred years that no one would go into. And every time someone went there, there was an experience with, you know, hey, I lost my leg. I lost my arm. I got cut up. Somebody died. All of that kind of stuff because of the wild pigs that were there. So that was that was that fear. But I don't necessarily want to talk about the townspeople. I don't necessarily want to come from that point of view. I want to come from the point of view of the wild pigs, right? The hogs. I want to. I want to come from that that uh, that aspect of it. So there was a fear of the pigs. I mean, although everyone feared the pigs, the pigs had fear of the people that went in there. So when the old trapper was there, he said he didn't get off of his wagon. He just let the corn kind of trail behind his wagon. And so the pigs at first were very skittish. Skittish. They were all, you know, they stayed under the underbrush. They stayed far, far away. And they wanted to just kind of hang out there. Eventually, though, they started to see the corn. They started to go out there and taste the corn and realized, hey, this is easy, right? And so the pigs, just like us, (laughs) many of us, society, the more something becomes familiar, the more that we begin to accept it. So at first they're scared. They're not coming out from underneath the the underbrush, but they see this corn. And maybe when the, the wagon is long gone, they come out, they eat a little bit of that corn and they realize, you know what? This guy's coming out every single day. We're seeing the corn. This is so easy. Why am I going to go chase down a snake? Why am I going to go down and, and, and bury my nose into the ground and try to get these roots to come up when I can come and get this corn right here? And so it became so familiar because it was there all the time. They just needed to keep following the trail, right? They need, just needed to keep tracking with the corn. And so we see that. Notice that eventually, they, you know, the fear that they had of the, the trapper and the corn that was there, eventually they begin to accept it. But it was a slow change that they, that they experienced. You know, he, he didn't go right out into the field right away. This trapper, you know, laid out the corn behind the wagon, got them kind of following it, kind of getting used to it. And then it was the slow change, kind of like we've seen slow changes in society. Now, the thing is, is that we get to this point in society where things have been changing for a while. And, you know, if we look back, 
those of us who are a little bit older, we can look back and we can see some crazy things that have happened. I remember when, you know, you would watch a primetime television and I mean, everything was so clean. I mean, the things back then compared to what you get on regular television now before, you know, before it used to be, well, you would see that kind of stuff on, on, on cable. And now it's just like mainstream. Now it's like on the internet and you just easily get to it. And it's so it's, we look back and things have changed so much, but when we're right in the middle of it, it's this slow change that society is experiencing it, right? And so we, we experience the slow change until we get to this place where there is that majority that want to continue to move in that direction. And if you look at where we are now, that's where, you know, one side of the United States is. Like, hey, they feel they have the majority. They feel like they're able to start changing things the way they want to change. Although things have been changing for so long, very slowly. And we've seen things, you know, start changing in our educational system. We've seen things changing in our economic system. We see things changing in the food that we eat. We see all these changes. But then it seems like we get to this point where things start to ramp up really, really fast. And so initially that fear, which is a good thing because we should, that fear is that flight or, or fight response. But eventually that starts to just get numb because we get so used to the things out there. If you were to take somebody from 1980 and, and they do the Rumpelstiltskin thing, right? Where they go to sleep and they, they don't wake up until, you know, till our modern day, you know, 2021. Can you imagine the surprise that they would have? in their, you know, in their, in their life of how things have changed so much for them, it would be such a rapid change that they wouldn't be able to, uh, to deal with it. But we have been living since, you know, then, and it's just like no big deal because we just continue to go on and that fear begins to dissipate and we're not as cautious as we should be. And maybe we should be more cautious nowadays. The other thing I want to point out here in this article is this ease of life trap, convenience, right? The, the, the hogs are out there and for a hundred years, they were catching snakes, you know, the article, they're catching snakes, they're uh, rooting out roots, they're, they're doing this. And then all of a sudden, this trap of convenience starts to come along. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes life can be very hard and we can go through hard times. I mean, a lot of people right now, a lot of you listening to this would be, would agree with me that things are hard right now. Even when, you know, you you might have a job or things might be going fairly well, things can still be hard. But there's a lot of people that are, you know, feeling the the economic situation and a lot of people that are feeling the you know, people being sick and because of, of all the different things that are out there. I mean, not just COVID, but all the other things that are out there. So life can be hard just because life can be hard at some time. So when there's something that's convenient and something that's easy, we like to, to latch on to that. You know, it's easier to stop and get fast food versus cook a meal from scratch. We all know every single person would tell you, it is healthier to go home and to cook food from scratch, not to eat processed food, 
not to, you know, not to get something out of a box and throw it into the oven or the microwave, right? Um, to have fresh fruits and, and, and vegetables and, and, and eat that. But at the same time, we live our lives, you know, if things are hard. And so it's so much easier to say, okay, I, I have to have dinner for the family. So much easier to run through fast food, run through McDonald's and, and come home with some fast food. I remember thinking about growing up uh, when we ate McDonald's. I mean, it was very, very rare. It was one of those things like it was like a Friday night thing. And I still remember being in the house where uh, I, I guess I grew up as a kid and seeing my parents and my grandparents. And uh, I think my grandfather went to McDonald's and, and picked up you know, all the, the hamburgers and stuff. And we had quarter pounders and, and, you know, Big Macs or whatever and French fries. And, and we had all that. And it was like a treat. And nowadays it's like no big deal. It's like you just run through the fast food restaurant because it's just so convenient, so easy to get out there. It's so easy to outsource our jobs, right? Sometimes it's economical. Sometimes it's, it's more economical to outsource our jobs. You know, I was thinking about this as I was writing this down, just even mowing my lawn. So I used to mow my lawn and I really like it, right? I really like going out there and doing that. I mean, there is a pleasure in being able to cut the grass and, and see your nice manicured lawn afterwards. And, and I'm not one of those that fertilizes and waters and all that. I'm sure my neighbors are like, Ty, come on, <laughs> you know, kick it up here a little bit. You know, you're, you're making us look bad. So I'm not one that does that, but I always try to keep it up as far as here is, um, you know, I'm, I'm cutting it, I'm, I'm edging it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blowing all the scraps and, you know, picking all that stuff up. And so not too long ago, my, um, well, actually now it's been years now, but my lawnmower kind of bit the dust. So I was on the road to go buy another one, right? I was, I was in my truck. I was going to Home Depot. I was going to buy a new lawnmower. And as I was going and I was going out of the neighborhood, I saw a crew cutting the grass in somebody else's uh, yard. And my neighbor had a crew that always came every single week. And so I decided to, I'm like, you know what? I can take up the space of my garage where where because I don't have a shed in the back where I can put my uh, my lawnmower and I can maintain my my edger and, and my weed eater and all that kind of stuff and you know always dealing with that stupid string that doesn't seem to always come out right and so you know you have that I can always deal with that and maintain that and then I can spend the time that it would take to cut the yard and and do it and do it right and I could still feel good about it or I wonder what it would cost me to ask a crew to come do it. And so I decided to stop. I mean, before I, I went and I spent, I, I was going to buy a good lawnmower. I wasn't going to go buy a rinky dink lawnmower, right? So I was going to go spend a couple of hundred dollars on a good lawnmower. And uh, I stopped and I asked, and this guy gave me this tremendous offer to cut my grass. I mean, it was nuts. And I'd be stupid not to take that. And so he might not do the exact same job that I would do, but all the time that I save in not having to cut my grass and not having to store my lawnmower and not having, I mean, it would have really, for what he does and, and how he cuts my yard, it would have uh, wound up being a couple of years to finally get to the point where I would have saved money 
and buying my own lawnmower. And then that doesn't even account for my time. So all that to say is that there's times where we can outsource our jobs and it is economical and some things are smart to do. But sometimes we do it just for convenience sake and that's all. I mean, we're, we're willing to pay the extra money for the convenience and we're willing to do all of that. And sometimes that can affect us negatively. And so these hogs, they had this convenience where they were going out there and eating this food. I mean, they, they're eating the corn and eventually it came to their demise, right? It's easy, the convenience that we have. It's easier nowadays to do a lot of things. It's easier to um, go and, and buy a new whatever it is, right? A new lamp instead of fix the lamp that you have. It's easier to throw things away nowadays. And we've come into this easy uh, life trap of convenience. And again, sometimes it's, it's, it's worth it. But other times we've gotten to the point where we've become very easy and soft and we can't think of any other thing or any, we can't problem solve these things around or problem solve around it. Because the only experience we have is to throw this thing away and throw some money at it or to throw money at it because we don't want to do it. Maybe it's dirty, a dirty job or whatever it might be. So the other thing is this ease of life trap. We got to be careful with being too convenient. And the third thing here is our third lesson is freedom, the loss of freedom. And did you notice that as I was reading uh, the chopper, the old chopper, when he was explaining what he did to chop all these these pigs, he was like, well, you know, at this point, they're still free, right? They, they were still free to come and go and and still able to to do whatever they wanted to. They didn't have to come into the clearing and and they, uh, you know, they, they had an opening here and they just had to jump over this one rail and and they were free up until the point that you're not. So the erosion of freedom is a slow process as we as we read here. It's a slow process where at some point, okay, you're just going out to the trail, the wagon trail and getting the corn. Then, okay, now you're walking all the way to the clearing. Now you're walking around post. Now you're jumping over post. Now you're going through a gate. And then you get to the point where there's nowhere else for you to go. The pigs of the Oki Finoki Swamp. I have to say that because it's just fun to say gave up their freedom for a meal. And you think about where we are in society and how things are just rolling so fast and years of freedom just gone in such a short amount of time, right? The the, the pigs at the Okefenokee Swamp, you know, the uh, one of the, the town's members said um, they've been wild in there since the revolution. This is the 1900s, right? Over 100 years here they are, they've been, they've been free and they get all caught in a couple of months. And so you think about where we are and you think about our freedoms and you think about how fast things have progressed and how our freedoms have been lost because of convenience, because of the free meal or the free uh, feeling safe or whatever it might be. And the thing is, is like, what, what do you do? From these lessons of talking about, you know, the fear and, and, and not losing your fear and, and just, just accepting everything there and, and the, the trap of life, the convenience that's, that, that are out there and then your freedom. What are, what are you to do? What are some things that we can do? And so I want to share with you just three things before, before I end this podcast episode here. 
and um, hopefully it doesn't end on such a, I mean, it's kind of like a nasty feeling almost, right? After, I remember when I heard this story uh, on, you know, from the audiobook off, off grid, um, afterwards, I was like, oh, man, that's just, you know, that's not that's not a good feeling when you hear about that. Because, you know, that the pigs were bad. They would eat people and bite off arms and stuff like that. But here they go. They just they lost all their freedom and, be, you know, they didn't even realize what was happening to them. And a lot of us have, you know, we, we see that in our own country and we see that in our own lives. And it's not a very good feeling. So. What kind of things can we do? How can we end this this podcast here and, and walk away with this with some ideas that we can start to implement in our life? And I'm not going to go deep into this, right? I want you to think about these and problem solve a little bit. But here's the first one. I believe that one of the most important things that you can do is have options in your life. And you're like, so you're like, Todd, what do you mean? I'm talking about options in your life, like in everything. I think that's great. I think it's great to be able to choose what kind of, I don't know, cleaner you're going to clean your house with. I think it's, it's, it's great to have options to, you know, what kind of grocery store am I going to go to? I think it's great to have options of, you know, what kind of job do I want to take? But it goes even beyond that. You know, in the preparedness community, we talk about redundancy a lot. And we talk about redundancy because if something goes bad, if something breaks, if something uh, doesn't work out like it's supposed to, you always have that extra one, right? You, You have that extra thing that you can grab onto. And so we say that three is two, two is one, one is none, that whole that whole saying and so I think in our lives, when, when I talk about options, I'm thinking about redundancy. I'm thinking about if this thing doesn't work out over here, I'm able to do this. And if this thing doesn't work out, I'm able to do this. Or if I need this and, and this doesn't pan out, I'm able to go this other route. And I think that if you're able to have options or even if you're able to see options, I think sometimes we get so um, narrow-minded that it's like, this. it has to be like this. And part of that is because we don't allow ourselves to be open-minded and to think and to problem-solve and to be able to see everything that's available out there. So if you can start to see options in your life, and going back to the multi-use thing, right, Um, and going back to redundancy, and I said cleaners, but let's just say you can't get the cleaner that you want, or whatever, maybe, you know, the lockdowns, the shutdowns, you know, the whole the whole deal happens again. And you're not able to go get the cleaners that you want. But because you have options, then you're able to realize, okay, I've got some vinegar here. I've got some water. I've got some citrus essential oil that I can add. I can make my own cleaner. I have a little bit of bleach. I have a little bit of borax. I have a little bit of this. I have a little bit of that. And I can make my own cleaner. And sometimes it's just as good or if not even better for you than the cleaners that you would buy from the store. And so, you know, you have options. And so I think that is important, you know, having options to whatever it might be in life. And that's just an overall generality there that I'm trying to share with you. The other thing that goes right into that, that feeds right off of that is the having Acquiring knowledge and skills, having knowledge and skills. See, when you have the knowledge and the skills, you're able to look at 
situations in your life and then you're able to see the options. If you are so narrow-minded and that is all, you know, you're like, hey, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way we're going to do it. And then there's no options. But if you're able to, hey, I have a little bit of experience in this thing over here, or I've acquired some knowledge because I've studied, I researched, and I've experienced a little bit, well, then I know that there's more ways of doing it. Like going back again, I don't know why I'm, I'm stuck on cleaners, right? But if you get to the point, it's like, okay, I, I know that I always use, I don't know, 409, right? I always grab 409 from the from the from the the grocery grocery aisle, and they don't have any 409. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do to clean? Well, if you have the knowledge and the skills to make your own cleaner, well, then there you go. And so that's just, I know that's a very, you know, small little thing here that I'm talking about here. But I want you to think about this in the grander scale. When you have knowledge and when you have skills, you are able to take those and use those and apply those in so many different ways. And when you come down to it, they can do all kinds of things to you. They can take away all your gear. They can take away all the things that you have. But if you have knowledge and you have skills, they can't They can't take that away from you. It's there in your mind. And so you have the ability to have the knowledge and skills that allow you to see those options that are out there. And then the third thing is this. Start making small moves. Just like we lost our freedom and it was this slow process over time. If it happened so fast, boom, you know, it's like, you know, you would, you would be able to fight against that. And sometimes when you make big, fast moves and sometimes, I don't know, there might be some of you say, like, Todd, we're in a situation right now where we don't have time for slow moves. Like we're in desperate times right now. And some of you see that and feel that and like, hey, maybe you're new to preparedness and like, I'm, I've heard that so much recently from new preppers like I'm behind the eight ball I I you know I should have started prepping a long time ago and uh, yeah definitely you know that might be might be the thing but if you are not going to make those big big moves and you're ready to go all in start making some small moves if you need to get motivated start making some small moves now I think there's a lot of people that and, and I can completely understand that. You know, I've had some really long, well, I was going to say days, but really it's been this whole school year has been really, really long. And uh, doing some, you know, the things at work and, and the, the new stuff, software that I'm working with is just, it's been crazy for me. So I know that I come home at night and I'm just wiped out. I, I don't want to, um, you know, do anything, but just kind of sit there. And you know what? There are some nights where I don't do anything, but I, I get on my computer and I just do some reading. And some people might say, well, that's good. You know, you're acquiring knowledge and skills and, and that's fine. Or maybe I, I watch some videos. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for, uh, you know, Jacob Prash videos or, you know, John Howler videos or, or, you know, other videos. I love watching the videos where people do like uh, a night in the woods, right? Or a day in the woods and they just kind of camp overnight and I like seeing what they do and and building the shelters that they do so it's easy to kind of sit there and so I, I come into the same type of situation where other people would just come and veg in front of their television and I completely understand that I'm speaking from experience because there's been some days it's just like oh my gosh I just want I don't want to do anything but just sit here and I just want to do some mind numb 
you know, watching video or whatever. But when we start making small, small moves, we start turning off that television. Maybe you turn off the television one night a week or you, you don't open up your computer one night out of the week and you go do something productive. You go out into the garage or out into the shop or out into the backyard and you do something productive. You start making small moves. Pretty soon those small moves start building upon each other. I uh, have a family member who back in the day started buying silver when it was like super cheap. And uh, he he worked, he would go downtown and right next to one of his clients was uh, a precious metals place. And he would go in there and buy an American Eagle. And I think he told me like for, for the most, most of the time, they were like $5. And so he bought all these, you know, every time he would go down there, he'd buy one or two American Eagles for five bucks. And so he's got this nice little stash over years because he made small little moves like that. And back then, I don't know, five bucks might have been a big deal. But nowadays, you know, he's glad he did it. He's got he's got the, you know, all this all this over that he can that he can uh, that he's stacked up. And so the same kind of things is we start making small moves. They start to add up on. So what if you started eating better 10 years ago? You, you might have, you know, we're here at the beginning of 2021 and you might have decided to start eating better, right? New Year's resolutions, whatever, start eating better. But what if you would have started eating better 10 years ago? What would that have done for your body? What would that have done for your health? You started making that small move or, you know, hey, I got rid of sodas 10 years ago, right? What would that have done for your body? Or maybe you said, hey, I want I planted a tree five years ago. Maybe now you're like, I got to plant some trees. Well, you know that you're not going to get fruit from those trees for a while, for a couple of years. But what if you would have planted one five years ago? A a small move, right? You go to Home Depot or or whatever and you buy uh, a, a plum tree, a peach tree, a lemon tree, whatever it might be. And you plant it out there and you take an hour of you know, just putting it out there and you take a little bit of time of watering it, or maybe you don't even, maybe it's like, Hey, I want to make such a small, you know, move right here. I'm putting it in the ground, but I'm going to put it on a timer. I'm not even going to go out there and water it. Imagine how that pays off for you right now. So having those small moves, taking those small moves right now can begin to add up. You know, we talk about going to the grocery store and we always talk about food storage and food pantry. And that might be so overwhelming for you when you start thinking about it. Now, I think I've made it pretty easy. I have the, the easy food storage. Um, it's, 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 just, it's just a course that you can take and it's free. I, mean, I don't even charge you for it, right? It's it's free and I walk you through how to do it. Um, I also have an ebook that accompanies that. I sell it for three bucks, man. And I give you some worksheets in there that I think are very, very helpful, very worth the $3. But if that is even overwhelming for you and that is too much for you, just going and buying an extra can of whatever you're buying. Like, hey, I'm buying tomato sauce today. Okay, just buy an extra can of whatever you need. I'm buying some beans. Okay, buy an extra can of beans. I'm buying an extra this or that or whatever. Then you buy just an extra one. Start making those small moves. They start adding up. So we don't want to wind up like the pigs from the Okefenokee Swamp who lost everything because they found it was so easy 
to follow the corn and they wind up losing everything. We are so close to losing everything right now. You know, the, the way things are, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but we've got to make moves now. We've got to become more self-reliant. We've got to think about what we're doing and not just think about the here and now and, oh, my gosh, who's in the White House and, and all of that kind of stuff. We need to think longer term than just this month or just this, quote, unquote, apocalypse or whatever it might be, getting to summer when everything, you know, uh, becomes better, whatever. We need to start thinking a little bit longer term than that. So. Make sure that you have options. Allow options in your life. You know, be thinking about how can you do things differently in everything. Make it a point to acquire knowledge and then practice that knowledge in real practical skills. So I'm not telling you to go sit in front of the internet and go to go to Prepper website and go spend hours and hours every single day in front of Prepper website. There's a lot of people that wind up doing it and that's all they do. They acquire a lot of uh, knowledge, but then they don't apply it in skills. You need to get the knowledge, but you need to apply it in skills. And then lastly, if you are not ready to make bigger moves, maybe you're like, hey, this is kind of overwhelming, or I just, I'm not sure, then start making small moves. Start making small moves, start being consistent in those small moves, and I promise you, they they will add up over time. Well, guys, that's all I have for you in this episode. I'm going to link to this article over at Michael Bunker's website, you know, the uh, wild and free pigs of the Oki Fanoki Swamp. It's just fun to say. I think I just want to keep saying that. And so I'm going to link to it so you can go check it out over there. I'm also going to link to the book Off Off Grid. And again, I listened to it on audio, on Audible, and it is a, um, I just, I, I really enjoy it. Um, and I'm, I'm almost finished with it, but uh, I highly recommend it. And just, it just gets you thinking, it re- especially where we are right now. And so I highly would recommend that you go get that book. Um, you might want to, you know, a lot of the times in the how-to, when we're talking about how-to survival and preparedness and things like that, we want the, the hard copy. Uh, you might want the hard copy. But again, like I said, it's a lot of, there's, it's not how-to live off-grid. It's more of the understanding. And man, it's, it's really great. It gets you really thinking and gets you understanding really where, where we're all going with all of this and the fallacies and the just the the dependence that we have that we really shouldn't have on all all the, the conveniences and the modern conveniences of life there's a lot of uh, a lot of understanding there that I think you should check out so I'll link to that in the show notes I can't link to that in the show notes that you see in your podcast app because you know they, they don't allow that but it will be over in the website and you can click over to the website I make that very easy for you All right. Well, guys, again, like I said, that's it for episode 677. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, alternative news, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF of 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, 
Live with no regrets. Stay prepped and aware. Peace.